0: so thankful you've chosen to tune in on whatever platform you're using, whether Podbean or through Facebook or iTunes. Whatever way you're listening, I just want to say thank you for joining in. We'd love to hear from you, so drop a comment to us or email us at thegrove267 at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as a ministry, go to hisgrove.com, or you can also check us out on Facebook at Deeply Rooted Ministries in Canton, Texas. We believe God wants to use these messages to spread His truth to a needy world, but primarily a needy church, which needs the truth of the Word to resurrect among us so that Heaven's army will be equipped to win souls and train them up in the Lord. Jesus said if we know the truth, it will set us free. So help us to bring freedom to people's lives by sharing these messages in any way you can. Now to our podcast. Oh, Welcome back to another segment of this new series that I'm going to be walking us through um, on apologetics. Taking two, maybe three verses at a time or maybe certain topics at a time. That I think we'll cover a lot of these topics just with the verses that I have. Um, and just going through them and finding what the context of the passage is that maybe today has been stripped of or maybe miscontextualized. Or maybe we've just inputted too much of our own conjecture. Into understanding passages, or maybe it 's just as simple as they 've been taught wrongly because they 've been passed down from generation to generation and it 's become tradition in the church that we teach it a certain way because we 've all had the same teacher and so we 're going to go through it and, and hopefully point out some things and rectify some things and and I was listening to a thing by Eric Liddy the other day where he talked about that one of one of the tactics of the enemy is to take words that the Bible displays on a grand picture or take verses that the Bible displays on this grand picture and make them into half-truths. And I think that's a lot of what's happened. I don't think everybody out there is just a heretic and just wants to teach incorrectly. I think a lot of people genuinely want to teach the truth, but what they have are half-truths. And because it's only half-truth, we only get half of the wisdom of God. And to some that might be like, well, I'll take half the wisdom of God. But I think that there's more for us to understand and unpack and therefore to get from God. I believe there's more he wants to give to us. So today we're going to go over two pretty popular passages that you hear oftentimes. But I want to correct our perspective towards these passages to be able to give a realignment to come into truth and not just have partial truths. The first one is going to be Hebrews 13, verse 5. Here's what he says. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll just throw in six just for a good measure. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Now, obviously, what most people come away with from this one is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I can totally understand that if I were to isolate this passage and look at it as I will never leave you nor forsake you, then I could come away with understanding that this is one of those passages that you could say, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, if I go to Sheol, if I go here, if I do this, doesn't matter how far I fall away from him, he will never forsake me. But we need to look at where this is because you can look at this verse in Hebrews 13.5 and see that there's quotations there. And you can go down to your little footnote that's there if you have a study Bible. And you're going to see that the cross reference that's there is probably going to give you the Joshua 1 or Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And for ease of reference, I'm just going to tell you that it's found in verse 6. So here's where we go. He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, what this is talking about is whenever um, the Israelites were about to go over the Jordan and they see this big horde, the, the Jericho, uh, the nation of Jericho, and the 70, roughly 70-foot 70 wall that's composed of three different walls that go 70-foot high, and God says, I want you to go overtake them. And they're like, are you crazy? The odds aren't in our favor, God. And he says, I don't want you to be in dread of them. I don't want you to be afraid of them because I'm with you. Now go and do what I've asked you to do. I will not forsake you. He even uses the same exact phrase. He will not leave you nor forsake you. This is where we get it from. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. But I want you to read on in 16 through 17. And here's what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise, the same people who you just made the promise to, by the way. Then this people will rise and whore after foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them. And hide my face from them and they will be devoured and many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us. Now, isn't that a fascinating statement? Because right before that, he was telling the Israelites, I will not forsake you. But then just 10 verses later, he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to whore after other gods. You're not going to observe what I've commanded you to do. You're not going to step forward in faith. You're not going to be trustworthy. You're not going to do these things. In fact, you're going to rebel against me because you're going to put your hand to the plow of serving foreign gods in the nation, in the land. And I will forsake you because you forsook me. Now you tell me, how is that congruent with the concept of I will never leave you nor forsake you? When God himself establishes the principle that this was a conditional statement. That I will never leave you high and dry when you put your hand to the plow of obedience and faithfulness and trust me no matter what the odds look like. No matter when the odds are stacked against you, no matter when it looks like that paycheck isn't going to cover all of the expenses, no matter when it looks like... I'm going to be with you, so trust me, move forward in faith, because without faith it's impossible to please me. Hebrews 11.6 Do what I'm asking you to do. I will not leave you high and dry when you obey me and do what I tell you to do. Be strong and of good courage. Do not shrink back in shame. Do not do these things that go against what I'm telling you to do. Because I will be with you. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. Notice they're not added to you before your obedience. They're added to you after. And notice the context of Hebrews 13.5. Keep your life free from the love of money. For he has said. The context of the passage is nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with anything else other than the principle that God says. That if you keep him first and you trust him no matter what. And you don't go off and have your life be filled with this, the fruit of loving money. And piercing yourself with many pangs as First Timothy chapter 6 says. It says I will provide for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I will provide for you, but you must obey. Let's look at what he says in Joshua chapter 1, because here's another one that your footnote might give to you. in Joshua 1, 5 through 8. Listen to what he says. Again, the same context, talking about Jericho. Now it's no longer through the mediator of Moses. Now it's going to be going through Joshua. And here's what he says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Notice the condition that he's given to them. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left I'm sorry, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Do you see the condition yet again? The condition of only be strong and courageous and careful to do everything that I tell you to, even if the odds are stacked against you, even if it doesn't look like it's going to be successful. If I have commanded you to do it, if you step out in faith, I will be right there with you. I will not leave you high and dry. I will not forsake your obedience and your faithfulness to me, ever. That's the promise. It is not an unconditional promise that hinges nothing upon us. It actually is the exact opposite. A conditional promise that hinges on us. We have to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to choose to align ourselves and submit ourselves to the word of God. And trust and obey. And if we do that, he will never forsake obedience. Listen to what he says in 2 Chronicles 15, chapter 2. Because again, if I'm going to say that Hebrews 13, 5 is true, and he's referencing an Old Testament statement, then I've got to go back to the Old Testament and find the context. Here's what he's stating in 2 Chronicles 15, chapter 2. He says, And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. I'm not sure that it can get much more clear than this. And you might think, you might be one of those who right now currently thinks that the Jews are still God's people. And this by no means am I saying that he doesn't love them or that he doesn't care about them. He doesn't want them to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that at all because I think all of those are still true. But there is no other covenant that runs parallel with the covenant that he has made with all of mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the only way to the Father. It isn't through an Abrahamic covenant. It isn't through any other means to belong to God. It will only be through the person of Jesus Christ. So you might be in your mind because you've been raised up in this traditional way of thinking that the Jews and that Israel is God's people. And if you go against Israel, then you go against God. I'm sorry. That's not the case. The church is God's people. You go against the church. You go against God because the church is the body of his son. The Jews cannot claim that. But nonetheless, you might be one of those that because of traditional ways of thinking and because of half-truths and because of not understanding how the cross has switched and changed everything from a physical realm to a spiritual realm, you might be thinking, well, God never forsook His people. I mean, He might be talking about individuals here, but He never actually forsook the Jews. Well, let let me bring up Luke chapter 13, 34. Here's what He says. In this concept of how Jesus is talking about how in the end days, he said, You're going to see people from north, south, east, and west, meaning Gentiles. They're going to be reclining with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to be all together as one. But you yourself, as the Jews, you're going to be outside looking in. And they're going to say, But didn't you come to our streets, Jesus, and teach in our streets? You came to us. We were Israel, and you came to us. That's got to account for something. We're Jews by birth. Come on now, Jesus. And he says, I'm sorry. You're not getting in because you didn't come through the door. I am that door. Go read all of Luke 13. And then he says this in verse 34 going into 35. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Man, that is a wrench in the Calvinistic way of thinking right there. How often Jesus says, I wanted to gather you, but you were not willing. What was it that kept the people from being gathered as Jesus wanted to gather them? Their unwillingness to do so. He wanted to do it. But because they were unwilling, he couldn't. Verse 35. Behold, your house is forsaken. I mean, I'll read it again if you want me to, just for effect. Your house is forsaken. The Jewish household, the lineage of the Jews, traced back to Abraham. He says, your house is forsaken because you don't want to believe in me. He says, I'm not forsaken Abraham. Abraham lived under the covenant. He fulfilled the terms of the old covenant. He belongs to me. Isaac belongs to David, Solomon, they belong to me through the old covenant. But now a new covenant has been established that makes the old obsolete, as Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10 talk about. There's no longer a covenant that God is making with his people under the old through Abraham. It's now the covenant he makes with his son in the new covenant. And if you come into his son, then you belong to him. And notice what he said, your house is forsaken. So even the Jews, he promised and said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. But Luke thirteen thirty-five says, he forsook them. Why? Because they did not know the day of their visitation and did not yield and submit and recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Because only through him do we get in. And so what's my point in this? My point is that Hebrews thirteen five, is a wonderful provisional promise that God gives to us. But it is not a salvific promise. It is not a promise absent of condition. It is a promise that God gives to us in the midst of that condition that if you set your compass to obey and to have faith no matter what the odds are stacked against you, careful to observe all that He has commanded us in Christ, that He will never leave you high and dry. It really is that simple. So don't listen to those teachers who are trying to tell you that this is an unconditional promise absent of any conditional responsibility upon us as believers. Because it's not. And so... That's Hebrews 13, verse 5, a very popularized verse today that hopefully just gave some more perspective to for you guys to think on and dwell on. The next one that we're going to talk about is one that I just recently went over through the book of Romans in Romans chapter 8. um, And we're going to look at verse 38. And this is, again, a very popularized verse. That I'll be honest for a long time because I knew that this verse was taken out of context and that a lot of people were actually, um, omitting certain words within it that gave greater context to the passage. I couldn't even receive it for myself because it would just, I would read this verse and I would be so up in arms because I'm like, these people are not taking this verse the right way. And I couldn't receive the beauty of it for myself. And so we're going to read it. In Romans 8, 38, here's what he says. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what is usually omitted? It's the very last part, in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is such a fundamental part to the gospel being in Christ. Christ. And that comes into play when we go through John chapter 15. Now, the interesting thing is, is that this is a beautiful promise that there is nothing in all of creation that's external from us that can pry God's hand open and take away his love that he has for us. Satan himself can't do it. The demons can't do it. Other people can't do it. There's no principality or spiritual um, governing agency in the heavenly places that can rip God's love away from us externally. But you know what? There's one thing that's not mentioned. You or me. You see, God's love for you is in a position. It's not necessarily directed towards you, per se, though there's an aspect of truth to that. But his, um, his unfailing love is towards his son. Thus, if you are in his son, his love is always towards you. So, we're going to look at some of these passages. Nehemiah 1 5. Okay? And I know you're going to say, well, this is Old Testament. God does not change. God is love. He has always been love. Therefore, we can look at the Old Testament. We can see some premises that are true there. And as 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 14 talks about, that the things that happened to them are examples for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. That they were written down for our instruction so that we can know the character of God. So God is love. He always has been love. So let's see from the Old Testament what some of these things are that he teaches. And then I'm going to take you to the New Testament and I'm going to find you some things. Because I do want us all to understand this is a wonderful promise. And I'm going to go through Ephesians 3 in just a second because he talks about this love. But here's what I will tell you. There is not a verse in all of Scripture that you will find that says that God's love is unconditional. And yet I hear it all the time. I see it on devotions. I hear it preached from the pulpit. I see it on things that pop up on Facebook. I hear it in conversations. That God's love is unconditional. Let me just tell you, that is not true. Because if there is even one condition, to the smallest degree, I don't care if it's 99.999999%, if there is the smallest degree of conditionality to it, it cannot be unconditional. So let me now prove that point to you through Scripture. He says in Nehemiah 1:5, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now I could take you to Daniel 9:4, and I could show you that the exact same thing is basically stated there, almost verbatim, word for word. I could take you to Psalm 2510, and I could show you that the exact same thing is written there, almost word for word, if not word for word. And you guys can go look it up, just go see that there's more than just one witness in the Old Testament that shows that God's love is towards those who essentially keep his covenant. And it's very similar even in the New Testament. God's love is towards those who stay in covenant with Jesus Christ. And this, there's a whole lot to unpack on this concept that I'm not going to get into because I'm sure I'll get into it eventually on some of these other verses. But what I do want you to understand right now is that if I can show you that there's a condition to being in God's love, then could you stop saying that His love is unconditional? Because that really puts on a perspective and a perception to other people that's not true. God's love has a condition to it. And though his love is is higher and deeper and wider. Than probably any of us can truly grasp and understand. It still has a limit. And I'm going to show that to you. Jeremiah 16 verse 5. He says. For thus says the Lord. Do not enter the house of mourning. Or go to lament or grieve for them. This is what. Um, If I remember correctly, this is what God is telling Jeremiah about his people, the Israelites, who had forsaken him and abandoned him and rebelled against him and began whoring after other gods, began doing all these other things. And this is what God tells Jeremiah. Do not enter the house of mourning or go to lament or grieve for them, for I have taken away my peace from this people. My steadfast love and mercy declares the Lord. And I'd encourage you to go read through all of Jeremiah chapter 16. But he says very specifically, I took away my steadfast love from my people. That's an amazing concept. And it's one that I think we would do well to pay a lot of attention to, to know that we can't just flippantly go out and say that his love is unconditional because it sounds good. So let's move into the New Testament, John 15. And this is one that you've got to have some Greek knowledge on some of these words um, that he says here, but John 15, I'm going to read 9 through 10. Here's what he says. As the Father has loved me. By the way, the word for loved in the Old Testament is a, is a Hebrew word, kased. Okay? And you could make an, a case, an argument, to say that, well, that's not really referencing God's love. That's more of his favor, or his kindness, his goodness, his mercy. All those things are comprised in his love. It's not that affectionate love that corresponds more to the Eros type love or even the Phileo type love that's referenced in the Greek. But the word that's used in John 15, 10 is agape. Just just throwing that out there for you before we start to try to lessen what this love might actually be. Listen to what he says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide is the Greek word meno. And this word means to remain or to stay in the condition in which one currently is in. He says, abide in my love. If, notice the condition, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Again, that Greek word, you can trade it out, and instead of saying abide, you can say to remain or stay. If you keep my commandments, if you're doing what you're supposed to, you will remain in my love. Now don't misconstrue that. That doesn't mean you slip up once, God hates you. It doesn't mean that you fall out of God's love just because you slipped up a handful of times. Don't misconstrue what he's teaching here. Now I'm going to go into a passage that I think a lot of people ignore today and try to write off as if it doesn't really mean what it says it means. And it's going to be in Jude, and it's going to be verse 21. Now, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's referencing the beloved because that's exactly what he says. He's referencing the church. He's referencing people who are in the church, who are born-again believers, who belong to the household of God. Otherwise, he wouldn't call them beloved. So the condition that's used here is for the church. It's for those who are in Christ Jesus. And listen to what he says. Knowing what Meno meant, abide or to remain and stay in the condition in which one currently is in. Here's what he says. Verse 21. Let me back up and start in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. I think this is one of those moments in which it becomes very heavy. If you've been one of those who your entire life believe that God's love is unconditional, I think Jude 20 through 21 is one of those passages that you can try to put your own conjecture and your own twist on and, and fall in line with what second Peter 3 talks about when Peter says that you know Paul writes things in the scriptures that the ignorant will twist, the unstable will twist to, the, to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. I think you could fall in line with that. Or you could just simply believe what the text says. Like I said before, you won't find a passage where it says that God's love is absolutely unconditional. It's not in there. I've searched. I've searched for the word unconditional in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. I've searched for it in the Thayer's. I've searched for it in the Strong's. It doesn't come up, doesn't pull up anything. Now, is there an aspect that we could look at his love being offered to us when we didn't deserve it? Sure. Absolutely. While we were sinners, Christ, God showed his love for us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Absolutely. There's an, there's an element to where we could be undeserving of his love. But that doesn't make it unconditional. Let's not confuse the two. We can't say that God's love is unconditional if we find conditions in Scripture that says that His love is not. Because even if there's one condition, we cannot say it is unconditional. Now, I'm not going to go in and just try to really hammer this point home to you guys. I believe that I've stated enough to be able to show it. What I don't want you to do is to misunderstand the depth of God's love. Because I think that's something that even in Ephesians 3, as I'm about to read, Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that they would understand. He wanted them to grasp how deep and high the love of God is for us in Christ Jesus. But understand, nothing external can pry you from God's love in Christ Jesus. The only thing that's not mentioned that Jude 20-21 through 21 brings up and John 15 brings up through the words of Jesus himself. The only thing not mentioned is you. You can choose to not abide in his love. You can choose to not remain in the position of God's love. That's why it says build yourselves up in your most holy faith. And keep yourselves in the love of God. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3. And, and here, here's the deal. Before I read that, I want to make it abundantly clear. What I am not stating is that God's love is not um, beyond even our grasp even with the Spirit. I think it's huge. What I, what I get tired of hearing is people who say that God's love is unconditional. I mean, I could take you through James four and show you that even even people who are in Christ but who are acting as if they're not, it says that you become an enemy of God. I don't believe necessarily that that takes you out of His love because as long as you're in the position of Jesus Christ, I believe God has a degree of love towards you. Because that's why He says nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You can't say nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing separates from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Please don't forget the last part. What I don't want is I don't want you going around saying that God's love is unconditional. Listen what he says in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to read 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. He wants an increase of faith in their hearts. And what is the medium? What is it? What is the catalyst for a greater faith that Paul's praying for? Well, listen to what he says. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What is Paul praying for? He says, I want them to have strength. I want them to be filled with all wisdom. And I want them to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I want you guys to know how much God loves you through the person of Jesus Christ. But you just can't say it's unconditional. Because it's not. Undeserving? Sure. There's definitely an aspect to that. Then praise God for it. But unconditional? we got to stop saying things that aren't true. And so, hopefully this gave you a lot of food. Um, for thought, a lot of things to take into your studies of the scriptures. And um, maybe, Lord willing, and if the Spirit opened up eyes to be able to see it through your willingness to to receive it, maybe He gave you some new understanding and revelation in His Word. And may we stand for truth and not tradition. Y'all be blessed.